Welcome to the Digital Solicitor Podcast with me, Christina Grasco. The subject under discussion today is conveyancing, looking at your guide to building strong relationships with estate agents and clients. I'm delighted to be joined in this conversation by Craig Matthews, who is the Director of Lifetime Planning at Leap, and Rob Hailstone, who's the CEO of the Bold Legal Group. Now, I think we're all well aware of the recent events that have added a new layer of stress and uncertainty to the property market, sales and mortgages. Whilst it was unexpected, it isn't the only issue facing conveyances at the moment, and there was already some uncertainty within the market. Before the recent market crash and its effects on mortgage interest rates, properties were selling faster than ever before, but stock levels were down by 55% according to Rightmove HMRC and the Bank of England. My conversations with estate agents were telling me that in part this was a self-fulfilling prophecy, insofar that reduced stock levels stopped potential sellers coming into the market as they couldn't see where they'd move to if they sold. This demand supply imbalance had kept upward pressure on prices, with the hope that supply would continue to build gradually. Now we can't be so sure this pattern will continue, and whether in fact the market will crash. Estate agents are reporting that viewing numbers have fallen through the floor. So against this backdrop, I want to find out what firms can be doing to increase business and ride any potential storm that may be brewing. So welcome to you both, Craig and Rob. Can I start by asking you to introduce yourselves? My name is Craig Matthews. I'm the Director of Lifetime Planning here at Leap Legal Software, and I've been working in the legal tech industry for the last 20 years. Hi, uh, I'm Rob Hailstone, founder of Bold Legal Group. Is that I don't think there's a crash coming, certainly not for the next 12, 18 months. And uh, let's not please talk ourselves into one. One of the problems that I referred to in the introduction, undoubtedly, can be the strain which exists conveyancer estate agent. Why are the relationships so strained at the moment? Well, we've had two years plus of a very busy and challenging market. Agents and conveyancers are worn out and stress levels are high. With the economy as it is, as we already touched on, people are getting concerned about the future and whether or not we're heading for a property market crash. And concern is growing. On top of this, transaction times are getting longer. Six months from offer to completion has been quoted to me on more than one occasion recently, and that has to be a cause of much friction. However, now is the time that both parties should be thinking about working together and planning ahead, because there is very little doubt that 2023 will be a challenging year. So let's wind it back a little bit. I know that you did a lot of convincing work before you became Bold Legal. How did it work when you were convincing? Well, you're making me sound very old, Christina, which actually I probably am. My convincing days stretch from the mid-1970s, so that is going back a bit, until 2005, so a good 30 30 years. But conveyancing is very different now than it was back then in the 20th century. Although perhaps more technical at times then because of the number of unregistered titles we had to deal with, My role was very clear and relatively concise. Take instructions, open a file, and because there were no ID or AML checks in place, opening a file was almost immediate. Then obtain some money on account, any amount of cash would do, Uh, receive a contract, submit maybe two searches, raise standard inquiries, asking only title restricted additional ones and receive a mortgage offer, report to the client, which was sometimes done even verbally or in a relatively short letter and then exchange. I would say that back then I had maybe seven to 10 main tasks to carry out. Now, however, conveyances have many more tasks to carry out and issues to deal with. They can no longer take a view on matters and they have to report every little issue 
not only to their layman client, but also to their lender client. Professional indemnity insurance premiums have gone through the roof and conveyances are watching their backs 24-7. Having thought about what I've just said in some detail before recording this, I think I could write reams about why transactions times are so long. Now, for example, there are more lender delays, more HMLR delays, and stamp duty, let's call it SDLT, is so complicated, you need to be a specialist to fully understand it. Add also to the above the fact that the Amazon effect means almost instant delivery for pretty much anything, and again, you have frustration levels rising from every party involved in the process. So what do you think can be done to improve things? Well, that is a tricky question. So there's no silver bullet. It's common knowledge that I was a great believer in HIPs, not the ones that were prescribed by Part 5 of the Housing Act 2004, but the ones I and some others tried to compile. Ones that were as exchange ready as it was possible to make them. Think like an auction pack. Therefore, and as a result of my involvement in HIPS, I'm still a strong believer in upfront information and getting a conveyancer instructed when a property is first marketed, rather than waiting until an offer has been accepted so that they can compile some kind of property transaction pack and hit the ground running when an offer is finally accepted. But as I said, there is no one silver bullet and packs won't be it. And there are many other things that could be looked at, including the use of more readily available technology by a large portion of existing financing firms. The results of recent digital surveys established that over 50% of firms are hardly using any real technology to help them be more efficient. And that is a bit worrying and quite shocking. Also, in some cases, new conveyancers should, I think, receive better training or more actual experience working alongside an experienced conveyancer before being let loose on the world. It would also help if the Law Society's conveyance and quality scheme was better policed and enforced. The number of technical breaches permitted by accredited firms is unacceptable. And don't get me started on the amount of additional inquiries being raised by some, obviously not relevant or in breach of the scheme. There's a lot to unpack in that, and I would like to come back to some, particularly um, some of the technology stuff in a minute. I think that for me, one of the key questions in this changed market is as property market activity changes, how can firms get new referrals from new sources? I suppose the easy but financially painful way is to join a panel and pay referral fees. That's not something I ever did and would only consider now as a last resort, although I appreciate that's the chosen way for some and that is their business structure and plan. I prefer to go and visit a local estate agent and talk to them face to face. I paid them on time, usually on the day of completion, and updated them as and when necessary on the transaction's progress. Word then spread, agents changed firms and my popularity grew. Even in these days when social media seems to rule the roost, excuse the budget pun, personal relationships are by far the best. When was the last time you called in any of your local estate agents? In many cases, probably nearly three years ago at best, pre-pandemic, I would suggest. You go and pay them a visit pre-Christmas. They don't bite. That's good advice. I think also it's about looking at your client maybe in the same way and building a relationship with them. I mean, we see conveyancing as a one-time transaction. Actually, there's a school of thought which says firms should see this as a gateway opportunity to future business and a much longer term relationship, isn't there? Yeah, they should be and they always should have been. It's tricky when some estate agents will try to steer your established clients away from you and towards their preferred firms. And of course, people move home so infrequently now. I think you need to make a lasting impression and go the extra mile with your client. And I'm sure a lot of conveyances do that already. Remind your client that your firm provides other legal services, 
preparing wills, for example, and you would love to act to not just them, but their family and friends should they need a conveyancer. Be memorable. Craig, I'm going to bring you in this. Um, I'm going to bring you in on this as well, because this is something I know that you feel very strongly about in the private client space. And, and when we're talking about wills, which in some respects is seen similar to a conveyance as a one-time transaction. But actually, both of them, there's a parallel here, isn't there, about building relationships? Very much so. As Rob quite rightly said, there is a need for ongoing legal service, I think, for most of us. And at the time when you're buying a property, you're probably best informed as to your assets and liabilities. So you're actually ideally placed in order to write a will. Very often, if you're getting a mortgage, your assets and liabilities have been checked by another financial institution. So you're, you're absolutely informed as to what you have, what you're worth, and what your liabilities are. And of course, you're about to embark on a property purchase. Now, most properties are purchased by more than one person. So if you enjoy tenancy or tenancy in common, Another really important step in getting a will, ensuring you understand your responsibilities and liabilities with those kind of clauses. So for me, the way that conveyances often refer a will or refer additional work is a, a final closing paragraph in, a, in, in the letter thanking them for their service. I actually think it should be brought to an earlier part of the conversation, a bit like Rob's comment about upfront information. The more we know up front, the better we are informed as to anything. Now, whether or not that's a will, um, a conveyancing property, or indeed any other transaction, the more that we can capture up front, the better we'll be able to deal with our customers' needs. And the same is true in the in the legal software industry. The more we understand about a business we're going to work with, the better we can and position leap for that business. So if we're gathering that information, that information then is brought to our attention, then there should be early opportunities for referrals, therefore building better relationships with your firm and that client, and therefore guaranteeing repeat business and that ongoing relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And the more work your firm does for a particular client, the more likely they are to remember you and that firm in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think every time someone comes through a law firm's door, it's probably a reason to reassess your will in your estate planning, whether that be a family matter, a conveyancing matter, a PI matter. There's probably need for you to think, hey, is that going to impact me in my lifetime planning piece? Often the answer will be yes. So if you have a firm that you work with closely and that you know they've got an up-to-date version of your asset register and up-to-date will, up-to-date LPAs, that conversation is so much easier than swapping from lawyer to lawyer every 10 or so years when you want to update things because you have moved or you have a, a, a reason to, to visit your solicitor. So building those strong relationships is really important. The clients aren't going to build them for the lawyers. The lawyers have to build them with the client. That's the way the transaction has to operate. And as Rob said, if you provide a service that goes above and beyond and it's best practice and you do it really well, you're opening a door for that relationship. And I'm sure that clients want those kind of relationships. They just don't know how to go about getting them. So Rob, can I ask you, what are the latest developments with upfront information and earlier agents and client engagement? Well, on the 21st of February this year, it was announced by National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team that certain information must be included on property listings for sales and rentals. The programme of work is being phased in three stages, A, B and C, with information in the first stage, part A, being required on listings from this May onwards. Phases B and C are expected to be launched at the same time, and it is likely to be early in the new year, maybe spring slightly earlier, if not before the new year. Phase B will include a property's physical characteristics, the utilities that are available, possibly including broadband and mobile signal coverage, and the parking arrangements. Phase C uh, will include details on the building's safety, whether it's listed, importantly for lawyers' restrictive covenants, 
flooding erosion risk, outstanding building works, and any planning proposals for development, including any which may directly impact the property. Now, like HIPS, I see these changes as an opportunity for conveyances and estate agents to work together more closely when a property is first marketed and not after an offer has been uh, accepted. In fact, I was talking to a large firm of estate agents in the Southwest only yesterday, and they will be sourcing a solution to providing this material information soon. It's beginning to concern them how they're going to do that. And if their local law firms don't step up to the plate and start discussing and offering solutions, estate agency firms could end up working with a national company that helps with the onboarding process. And that could turn yet into another panel that leaves the local law firm out in the cold. So I would say, have a look at what is coming down the line from trading standards. And if you don't know what it is, please email me and I'll send you some info, rhatboldgroup.co.uk. How do we educate everybody involved here? So the agents, consumers, the buyers, the purchasers, to know about these things, to manage their expectations within these things? Because what you're hinting at, and and absolutely agree with you, that there's always a tends to be a dislocation in the way that requirements are serviced in this market is that we all need to be on the same page because if we're on the same page, we all know the same things and there's a lot less chasing required. Yeah, I, clients and agents have always had difficulty trying to understand the home buying and selling process and that's understandable. It is complicated and I said earlier, as I said earlier, more complicated than it ever was and it's got worse. I think we're going to touch on how we can explain the process a little bit later. But I'll just say, arrange to visit your local agent and offer some basic in-house training, at least for the agent's purposes. I believe that estate agents can be the catalyst to improving the home buying and selling process. And I had an article printed in um, an online estate agency magazine yesterday saying just that, where I set out a dozen different ideas and things they should do before the property is marketed or when the property is marketed. I'm just going to quickly read through that, that article. Not particularly long, but there are 12 uh, bullet points in it. Maybe the first step in improving matters could, or in fact should, come from those who usually have the first foot through the door, i.e. the estate agents. The number of I's that need dotting and T's that need crossing by conveyances grow almost daily, in my opinion, to a level that is virtually becoming unsustainable. And all the help they can get and fewer interruptions they receive would free up the time they need to carry out the legal work and would be welcomed, and that would help speed up the process. So my suggestions are, agents, please, don't take referrals from firms you know are not efficient. Provide correct and comprehensive details of the seller and the property. Pass on relevant information as to why the seller is moving home. Provide details of any hope for moving timescale and what the reason is for it. Highlight anything about the property that might cause a delay new windows, a new heating system, new extension, or re recent loft conversion, etc. Provide a chain sheet. Knowing which conveyancing firms are in the chain and where they are can be a real help. Prime the seller as to what information and documentation, guarantees, planning commissions, safety certificates, their conveyance will need in order to pass on to the buyer's conveyancer, particularly if the property is a leasehold property. Explain to the seller why instructing the conveyancer, instructing conveyancer before an offer has been accepted can help speed up their sale and encourage them to do that. Speak to your local firms about doing that, your local conveyancing firms. Tell the seller why completing and returning the TA6 promptly or other questionnaire is important. Agree with the conveyancer a time, place and method as to when updates on the progress of the transaction should be provided. Then pass those updates on to other interested parties. And finally, make sure you've carried out due diligence on proof and source of funds. Though there's a lot of comments posted yesterday on the, uh, on the article, 
But one sales progressor, otherwise known as a conveyancing chaser in our world, said in response, I think sales progressors and sales agents should have a training session with conveyancers so that they really understand each other's issues and are then able to competently explain the issues of the parties they deal with. So they're actually crying out for help from conveyancers. So go to your local agents and say, can I come in on a, a Friday evening or a Saturday morning or set up a Zoom call where you can have some kind of informal training session? I think clarity is a really big issue. You've just referred to it. I think that clients struggle with that as far as conveyances are concerned and the processes that they are going to be facing when they get to the point of selling. So my question to you is, how can conveyances be clearer about the services they provide and the steps and the processes that everyone will need to follow? Yeah, yet another tricky question, Christina. For years, conveyances have been trying to explain the process to their clients, sometimes verbally, sometimes in writing, and sometimes via a short animation video, but in most cases to no avail. Clients very rarely read the documentation that we send to them, and if they do, they forget what's in it. However, my own attempt at last at a 90-second animation video was released recently based on, again, the game of Snakes and Ladders, and it seems to have gone down very well with my members, uh, some estate agents, and, and the public, with many firms now using it to help not only their clients, but also their estate agent contacts. So if anyone would like to see the video and use it, it's free, please email me, rh again, rhatbold.co.uk. It really is a very quick way to explain the process and the complexities involved in it. I have actually seen that video and I think it's quite good. So yes, I would recommend people contact Rob for access I'm to that. I'm, I'm working on the board game. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I'm up for being tester. What can firms do to try and retain and keep in touch with their clients once the convincing transaction is completed? I think do the old traditional things that probably I used to do back in the day. You know, I always used to send a welcome to your new home card to my purchaser clients. I even tried something different for a while, which didn't seem to work. I gave them a 10% discount card, which I would uh, honour if they instructed me again in the future. And I would also offer that discount to anyone recommended to me by them. Although back in the day, I never did this because it would have been too cumbersome. It should, should be relatively easy now, surely, to set up an electronic annual birthday completion message. A very simple way to keep your firm's name in front of your client at least once a year. Maybe Craig can expand on whether that is possible or not. Yeah, absolutely, Rob, and a great idea. So uh, my partner and I call it a house anniversary, uh, and every year we buy each other a house anniversary present to sort of commemorate the, the day we moved into our into our new home, and and it's a lovely thing. Now, my goodness, if 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 my solicitor or estate agent had done the same, I'd be over the moon. It would be lovely to think someone else would be celebrating our our house anniversary. If that data is in a database, that data can come out of database, Rob. So absolutely, um, you know, thinking of the reports we've got in league, we can pull out information with completion statement dates, sorry, completion dates. Uh, and, you know, that could then be the catalyst for getting um, correspondence out to your clients. It would be quite helpful also, Craig, if you could help me remember my wedding anniversary and my children's birthday. <laughs> I'll do my best, Rob. I'll do my best. <laughs> Craig, that does raise the whole question of review platforms, the importance of platforms in the modern conveyancing world. And I'd like to bring you in, we did refer to this fairly close at the beginning because it is one of the major structural and process changes that has overtaken the profession within the last, certainly the last 10 years. And they are no longer seen anything really to do with technology and platforms and the way that we bring all our case files together. Not being digital is simply not an option 
but I think that extends wider, doesn't it, in terms of word of mouth, clients, everything else. Do you want to just talk to us a little bit about this whole piece? Yeah, so I think there's two elements to this. First of all, having a case management system and using a case management system are two very different things. So speak to your suppliers, ask for additional training, ensure you're making the most out of the software that you've got in place. Practice productivity advisors here at LEAP provide amazing support and assist them making sure they're making the very best use of LEAP. Use things like critical dates, use your document automation, use the InfoTrack integration. That will all help you capture the information you need and be as, as efficient as possible. That will also aid you in reporting updates to your estate agents and your clients alike so just having a case management software might give you a tick in the box but using it is really the big difference in terms of the global platform then we've got to look towards review platforms i think as something else we almost take a, a more attention of so word of the mouth is great and i speak to a lot of law firms the time they get referred work by word of mouth which is wonderful i believe that word of mouth however is changing because we don't spend quite as much time in social environments and we spend a lot more time in a digital environment so having people who talk about your firm is wonderful Having them post that online is actually even better. Most people will always go online to review a solicitor, review a state agent, will look at things online before they make any final decisions. So get yourself on board with Google reviews, potentially review solicitors, you know, even going into some of these specific review websites and, and, and set yourself up on there. They all add super value to what you're doing. Working with your clients to ensure they also update them. Having three or four reviews on there that are five or six months old isn't really ideal. You've got a constant flow of work and having that updated is really, really important. So you know, paying some real attention to your strategy should be as important as, as the other elements of your marketing strategy. And I would probably say encourage your happy clients to post reviews because we all know that the unhappy client is the first one to post a review. Uh, it's best to have you know, 10, 20, 30 good reviews if, it, if you've got one negative one out there. Yeah, I, I think with... With, with with certain things having one negative view isn't the worst thing in the world because actually if you just had all brilliant five-star reviews then someone may even question whether or not you simply paid for those reviews don't get me wrong don't try and do a bad service but you know sometimes we can't help things going wrong in conveyance in transactions um the importance of having those reviews though is, is is really is really really sort of key and as rob said people are so much happier to post review at the time they've done it and when they've had a good experience i think setting client expectation and rob's video is a great example of that if a client expects to put an offer on a property and then move shortly after then really We've not set their expectations. So whatever you do, regardless of how good your service is, you're not going to meet that client's expectation. So giving them a realistic time frame, giving them realistic expectations as to when things can happen will aid to that level of uh, satisfaction at the end of it. And you will be delivering as much as you can on time. And that will give you the good reviews. We'll show that you're a good, reputable firm in your local area. And, and I think will be you know, a, a really important part of your marketing message. Those reviews are no longer nice to have. The PI insurers... They're actually looking at your profile online now. That is part of their due diligence checks in seeing if they're going to continue insuring you and if so, what the annual premiums look like. And, and I think that an important part of that is not only accepting that they're there, but also engaging with them because the quality of the engagement can have an effect on something like your insurance premiums. I think you're right, Christina. Ignoring reviews as much as you may want to, a bit like King Canute sitting on the beach and, and the tide won't come in. They are coming and you may as well try and embrace them. So I think for me, the question is, can a legal practice survive with word of mouth and repeat business alone even these days? Or actually has online become important to local business that, that bubbles burst? I, I think 
you have to do both. You, you have to have a good reputation and you have to ensure that people are talking about you. You want them to talk about you to people they meet to the pub, but really their community, their online community will be greater than anybody in that local pub. So you have to do both. You can't simply rely on word of mouth and not have a digital marketing strategy that will then supplement what is currently going on. If they're happy to say it to their friends, then they'll be happy to post online. We don't want to be afraid of asking people to go and do these reviews. Goodness me, we, we, we can buy a set of batteries from Amazon and someone tells us if we've had a good experience and how the batteries were. Well, they, they were batteries, they worked okay. Buying a house is a hugely emotive um, decision. You want to move somewhere for many, many reasons. And therefore, it's not just a transaction. It, it is a it is an emotive transaction you're going through. And a good experience is something you do want to shout about. And people are happy to, to, to put those reviews online. And um, I think it's really important. I also think, actually, with things like conveyancing and indeed wills and probate um, area that I specialize in. Local business is really important. Knowing uh, where a postcode is, knowing the type of property in that postcode, knowing other properties that have transacted in that postcode and an understanding a bit about that, I think is really key and something the local firms should shout about. They know the local area, they know where people are moving, they know, you know, likely pitfalls with property transactions, so they can provide, I believe, a better service than going nationwide. And you know, maybe that's something the law firms locally don't talk enough about. Yeah, and also, I think if, if you don't have an online presence, your clients are going to be, tend to be from my generation rather than the younger generation. And that's where your future work is coming from. Yeah. All that having been said, Rob, I know that you are equally a fan of physical face-to-face -face networking and getting out and about, physically attending events, talking to people. The value of that has not gone, has it? No, I don't think so. I mean, team and Zoom calls are great and often save a lot of time and money and travelling. However, you can't really be a face-to-face. -face. Well, not only do you see the whites of each other's eyes, but also have the opportunity to have a beer or a coffee and really get to know someone. If I have to meet someone online, I always ask where they are in the country and ask what the weather is like there. In fact, as anyone who has Zoomed with me in the past will know, the first few minutes of my meetings are taken up with what I hope are slightly humorous icebreakers. Mind you, when your office is a railway station signal box and your only company is a budgie, the ice usually breaks very quickly indeed. Pricing is also a question I want to look at today. The majority of firms put their prices up during the pandemic rush to move home. How can firms keep those fees up and should they increase them again? Uh, yes, they should certainly increase them again. I think there's two important things to consider here. The quality of your service and the quality of how you provide your quotes or estimates. If you put your fees up because work volumes are getting too high, now is the time you can benefit from that by taking on fewer transactions. Maybe not voluntarily, maybe the market will go quieter, but at least your fees are higher. But you have to provide a first-class service time and time again. A good reputation, as we've touched on, glowing testimonials and positive reviews are vital. And it doesn't take long to damage a good reputation. Because as they say, you're only as good as your last gain, or in our cases, as good as your last completion. Not anyone can, or not anyone should, provide an estimate. You need to either have the natural ability to do that by being able to relate to and form a very quick bond with a potential new client, or you have to have some reason proper professional training. Finding out what the reason for that move is, as we've said earlier, new job, downsizing, etc., and their ideal time scale is vital. It shows that not only you care, but you have a constant handle of what might be going on in their minds or worrying them when delays or problems arise. And please, if you don't win the work there and then, follow your call or email up within the next 48 hours. That won't indicate desperation. It indicates keenness to help that person. 
especially if you refer to the reasons why they're moving when you contact them. They will be so impressed that you remember not only them, but their certain particular set of circumstances. So despite the fact that social media is taking over the world, helping someone buy a home is a very personal business and becoming a trusted, friendly and reassuring advisor uh, when they do that is absolutely vital. The old ways in many, in many times are, are still the best ways, I think. Do you think price is the key driver for clients instructing law firms? Are there other things that they can be attracted by and which firms should maintain, which will hopefully increase the bottom line? I think it depends on, on how you win your work. If you're paying referral fees, maybe price is important because the agent will say, you know, you can get this deal, that deal, or if you're on a panel, but price shouldn't be the deciding factor. What should be the deciding factor is the, the quality and level of service you give. You need to be able to assure work providers and potential new clients that you can act quickly, efficiently, professionally, and have the knowledge and experience to deal with any legal issues that crop up. You need to be approachable and able to explain those legal, legal issues in a straightforward and clear way. Most people will pay well for a good hand-holding service when making the biggest and most important purchase of their lives. I think here, this is where online reviews also play a part. If you've got poor online reviews and you're commanding a high price, then it's not you're going to get any business. Likewise, if it's a low price, but with really bad reviews, you may not find clients knocking on your door. A high price with really high reviews, that isn't a bad thing. You deliver a level of service. It's shown time and time again. People are happy to pay for that. It's how we review. It's how we look through any purchases we're making. Why should a pointless list be any different? I would like to think that the, the days of really low conveyancing fees have now gone forever. You know, fees have gone up over the last couple of years. They should stay up. Please don't join the race to the bottom if work gets a bit thin on the ground. You know, maintain that high fee, do fewer transactions, but earn the money you should be earning. Before we wrap up this conversation, um, Rob, I just want to talk to you very quickly about the Bold Legal Group, because it does go from strength to strength. Perhaps you could just tell people about the benefits of being a member and the new initiatives you're currently working on. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, yes, it does seem to be going from strength to strength and the renewal rates from existing members have been incredibly high, 98, 99% every year. We now have roughly 700 member firms of all different shapes and sizes, and they say they consider me to be their eyes and ears and sometimes their voices. And I take that responsibility very seriously and try to make sure I'm on top of anything that might affect them in any way at all. We send out a widely read I guess by possibly as many as 5,000 individual conveyances, a weekly information bulletin. For the last couple of years, we've had a fantastic 24-7 online discussion and problem-solving forum with over 850 individual users now on it. If you post a question now, it will be answered within the next 30 minutes maximum, I guess. It really has astounded me. I wish I'd done it years ago. We have a CBD accredited test that goes out every two months. Currently setting up a website called Bold Legal Move, where firms that want to take instructions on day one can prepare a property transaction pack and they can promote that fact. And last but certainly not least at the moment, I'm launching uh, the first ever National Conveyancing Week in March next year. I, I feel like I've got some sort of survivor's guilt I did conveyancing, as you know, for 30 years, and I enjoyed most of my time doing conveyancing. I look at conveyances now, and I see how many of them are struggling. And I feel quite sad that that's happening to them. It shouldn't be like that. So as I say, I've got some survivor's guilt. So I want to try and do something, uh, give something back to the profession before I um, 
hang up my spurs, although that's not likely to be any time soon. I think that conveyances are on the whole undervalued, underappreciated and misunderstood. And there are more leaving the conveyancing profession at the moment at the top end than there are joining at the bottom end. And is it any wonder? The profile of conveyancing and conveyances needs to improve. They are not the bad guys or girls. In fact, quite the opposite. They help people buy their dream homes so they can live in them and enjoy them as they should. And in these times of frauds and scams, they also, also make sure that the biggest purchase of their lives is carried out safely and diligently. The purpose of national conveyancing will be, amongst other things, to inform, educate, assist, motivate, reassure, help recruit new entrants, improve the profile of conveyances and conveyancing, and ensure fees can be set at and kept at an acceptable level. I don't know why I set myself, well, I do know why I set myself that task, but next March, look out for national conveyancing, please. Thank you. I certainly will. It sounds like a very important thing to do. Before we wrap up today, uh, Craig, is there anything you want to add? No, I mean, hearing Rob's initiatives in the National Conveyancing Week is a, is a smashing idea, and, and you're absolutely right. Conveyances out there play such an important role in, in people's lives. Being able to buy that dream home is such a you know, factor. You want to live there, potentially you get a family there, and you know, it's a bit that's core and key to many, many of us. Giving them their due respect uh, and appreciating what they do is really important. I think that, that education piece between solicitors and the estate agents, the solicitors and their clients, absolutely key uh, anything that we can do collectively to make that better will be will be better for us all and what is really nice is a, a number of firms have reached out to us and said can you send us some celebratory material that we can put up in the offices for that week so that we with our staff can celebrate national conveyancing week and we we will pass that message on to the other firms in our towns i really want it to be as much as possible a national event So that brings us to the end of today's podcast on quite a positive note, I think. We've obviously covered a lot of ground. So if there are any questions or you'd like to speak to Craig about any aspect of today's discussion, please feel free to contact him, craig.matthews at leap.co.uk or contact Rob, rh at boldgroup.co.uk. My huge thanks to Craig and Rob for being with us today. And thank you for listening and your interest in Leap. So until the next time, stay well. Please feel free to contact us with any issue you would like to join us on in our podcast series at digitalsolicitor at leap.co.uk. 